Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. Welcome back to Trades Work, where we highlight key issues important to the skilled trades our society depends on, as we always seek to put Colorado first. Just a footnote, listeners, today we had the pleasure of doing a job site tour prior to the taping of this podcast, so you're going to hear us go from the studio to live in the field and back, and that's the change in quality. Today we are joined by Josh Seiler, U.S. Engineering's General Manager for the Rocky Mountain Region, as well as Andy Wright, Senior PM for U.S. Engineering. Josh, Andy, welcome to our show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. We just uh, toured and talked about the National Western Center with Brad Buchanan, and one of the things that he highlighted in our podcast was the Central Utility Plant and what what an engineering marvel that campus is as a result of that cup or Central Utility Plant. So we decided to invite you guys on. Andy, I know you've been involved in the building of that. Uh, and Josh, I know you guys now maintain that on a go-forward basis. So we're wanting to dive in here a little bit and talk a little deeper about that campus. So tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you landed at U.S. Engineering. And why don't we start with you first, Josh? Um, so I've been in field service my entire professional career. Um, that started in the U.S. military and the Navy, uh, working on uh, electronic components and aircraft, and then kind of matured from there into being a field service technician, repairing electrical and mechanical equipment. So one of the things, Josh, that uh, as we rolled up on site and started looking at the cup uh, that you shared with me before our show is there's a claim to fame about you in your uh, decorated Navy career. Number one, thank you for your service. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that history? It's pretty intriguing. Part of my tour in the Navy was serving on the aircraft carrier USS Kitty Hawk, um, and uh, I'm actually third generation of my family to serve on that ship. So my grandfather and my uncle both both served uh, prior to me. That just kind of speaks to the longevity of that ship and how long it was in service, but it was commissioned uh, during the Vietnam War, and uh, I served on it uh, in about 2004, right before it was decommissioned, so... I'm about 45 years in service and saw three uh, members of my family on that ship. Um, Navigated my way into management, lucky for me, uh, and then um, met the brother of the current president of U.S. Engineering in my working career in Chicago, actually. And he made the connection uh, to Clay Daniels, current president for U.S. Service, uh, and I. And uh, about five years ago, I joined U.S. Engineering as a general manager as they were starting to... uh, kind of separate themselves from the pack and and focus more on service, um, kind of dedicating the entire company to U.S. engineering service. So um, I took that over five years ago, and now we're uh, here we are today. How about you, Andy? Uh, I essentially went to Colorado State University uh, CM program. As I was going through the program, I kind of already knew I was more interested in the mechanical side, so I actually joined the MCAA, which is furthered my interest in it and essentially geared that way through that i started my internship after junior year of college going into senior year summer working for u.s engineering and essentially have worked for them ever since great i'll tell you one of the things that i enjoy about your company is just a great group of 
uh, folks and talented individuals that work for U.S. Engineering. And I can't wait to hear a little bit more about how you guys built that plant. So why don't we turn to you, Andy? We got the chance to, you know, tour the the central utility plant here just recently and understand it's one of a kind, cutting edge, a largest, I think, in the country uh, and only the second one of its size built. And so talk to us a little bit more about that utility plant, what it does, and then tell us, you know, what it took to plan and build that. So essentially, like you stated, it's the largest currently uh, in the country. It is a sewer heat exchange system in a central utility plant that feeds multiple other buildings on the CSU Spur campus. It does this unique facet about it is essentially the piece of equipment called the shark. So th- this is the, the showpiece of the central utility plant here. This is the shark system, which is sewer heat recovery. Basically, this loop draws raw sewage um, out of the main, runs it through several macerators and pumps, kind of gets filtered out, and then passed through a massive heat exchanger over here uh, where they're drawing heating or cooling water out of it, depending on the time of the year. And then that sewage goes right back into the main. So Closed loop system, taking the sewage out, pumping it right back in uh, after we extract the heat out of it, uh, depending on the time of year, used for heating or cooling at any given time. Kind of a different grouping of components put together to make that happen, which um, keeps the sewage side of the system separate from the clean side of the system. That's something that a lot of people don't quite understand right away. They think the two systems are mixing and they're not. They're completely separated. So essentially... Tying into a large, it's called the Delgany main, which is a 72-inch diameter main. It's underground outside. They tied into filter screen, goes into a, a basically a sump pit out there that gets pumped up underground into the building, into that shark system, which then goes through the macerator pump, chop things up, filter section, through the heat exchanger. And that's where it's doing either the cooling or heating exchange, depending on the season at that time. Beyond that, there's also the supplemental boilers, cooling towers to be there to make up any loads that the shark system can't handle alone, or also if the shark system ever needed to go down for maintenance or parts replacements, anything of that sort. Uh, They do have that equipment there to back that as well to make sure they're supplying the campus with what is needed. Sounds like there's a lot of there. Exactly. All right. All right. So, Josh, let's talk about how the trades played a role in that campus, specifically the plumbers, pipe fitters, and sheet metal workers that you guys employ. You know, what 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 does it take from an ongoing maintenance perspective? And can you talk about the complexities? I just understood you guys went through a kind of a shutdown and replacement of some pretty massive parts of the system and in, integral parts of that system. Talk to us a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, as you know, this site is certainly um, one of a kind as the largest here uh, in the U.S., and it it definitely required the skill of all three of the big trades that make U.S. engineering what it is, Um, our our pipe fitters from Local 208, our plumbers from Local 3, and uh, our sheet metal team members from Local 9. Um, certainly had a huge part in making this project a success. So about 50% of this project was completed in fabrication. So all three of those trades working together. 
uh, to put all the uh, equipment skids together and get them delivered to the site and installed. Okay, so year to date, as mentioned, this this project um, is the highest yield uh, offsite manufacturing that U.S. engineering has done. Roughly 40% of this mechanical room was built uh, in our Johnstown location um, in the manufacturing facility there and then trucked in, um, set in place with forklifts where our field teams piped everything in, um, which you know saved us a, a labor reduction of about 50% of having to do it in the field versus doing it in the manufacturing facility and bringing it out. Um, so all the pump skids were done, all the boiler skids were done, um, and there is a, a very large pump skid in the back of this that's attached to the cooling towers um, that was the largest to date. We actually had to bring in a a special forklift to lift it because of the weight was so intense um, to get it set in place uh, prior to essentially the building going up over the top of it. Uh, and then the rest of the team kind of completing that project in the field um, to, to get it operational. So I would say w- without the skill, uh, knowledge, uh, and execution of those skilled tradesmen, this uh, certainly would have been a show, uh, pun intended there. Um, so they did a great job uh, doing that. Um, and as you mentioned, we re- recently completed a project uh, of replacing some valves and uh, essentially doing a full clean out of the system. What we have is, were, were these valves um, here were replaced about two weeks ago. They were butterfly valves. So, you know, open and close of an obstruction in the flow path. So you get those large solids that would get stuck on the valve, uh, essentially. So cause restricted flow going into the system so we just replaced these with a gate style valve to give it unobstructed flow into the system so now we're 100 percent operational and not ready to roll. which entailed replacing some very large 10 inch valves um, removing all of the components of the shark system so big augers big screens uh, big filters large macerator pumps that uh, took our team about two weeks to complete. Uh, so again, without those trades folks, uh, this this certainly is not possible to have this conversation. So how much of a crew did that take to do what you just walked us through? Uh, so from a service and maintenance perspective, we had five, five guys on site um, mm-hmm. for about two weeks completing that work. A lot of that plays into the safety aspect of what's going on. So we're moving a lot of heavy equipment uh, that requires some specialized rigging uh, to complete. So we wanted to make sure that the team had the support they need to do it safely and uh, deliver that ultimate customer experience to uh, National Western. And Andy, about how many people were on site and involved in the building of that project? So on site, Phil Manpower, we peaked out about 17, but that's not seeing all the people that were part of the fabrication shop portion of this, where a lot of this work also took place. I'm not entirely sure of that exact number in the shop, but there was also a lot of individuals there involved with the skidding and uh, swools and everything of that sort. It's essentially off-site work that was taken on-site for those guys on-site to install. Yeah, so there was a ton of VC pre-work that went into this uh, building. I mean, it's a big open building, but it's stuff you don't see. Like, for instance, there's a picture over here that shows all the underground electrical conduit they didn't want it all up here so a lot of coordination had to happen with our underground plumbing uh piping to make that work as well and then also this is a prefab metal building so the other things that you kind of can see is we had to actually 
go off of floor supports for all this piping because we have upwards of 30-inch carbon steel in here. So there, you could not hang anything off the structure. So there's a lot of coordination to not have this equipment pad here for the shark in the way and all of that also involved. And it cleared that overhead door by inches and then rolled it in. And they also made that top portion. You could see it's bolted together. We had to make that a separate piece or else it would not have fit height-wise. So that was something else I had to go into deep coordination with to make sure we built it in that manner to fit it to be able to roll it back there and then drop that section on top. I mean, it's rough terrain out there. It wasn't paved yet, dirt road. So that forklift, as it's hitting bumps, it's that skid is shaking as well, but it stayed. It was pretty stout. We thought there may be more flex than we saw, but it held really well until we got it on the rollers and then we're able to push it back there into the corner. Oh yeah, it was one of those where we were sweating bullets watching it go through that door making sure i really hope this fits because this entire structure was in place so that was our only route in well we're talking um andy so can you elaborate on how you see kind of this project cutting edge being part of our future here in colorado there seems to be a lot more demand for you know projects that produce less carbon less methane less uh, things that uh, escape into the environment and make Colorado worse than it was before. And so talk to us about how you see the ingenuity and the technological advances of that type of a system and where you see that going in the future. So obviously green is a big word that's being thrown out and it's just getting bigger and bigger, even outside of our industry, automotive industry as well, and so on and so forth. But in regards to our industry essentially what's i think this project helps because it always helps to see one physically in person versus always seeing it on paper or theory we actually have an example here now that you can go physically see as we did touch things we're actually seeing data coming out of it that you could real world results essentially so i think that helps carry forth in regards to any skepticisms or any other owners, I guess, pursuing these types of uh, projects with this type of technology. And um, as the years go on, obviously, there'll be newer, better, more efficient technologies. But I think the starting point is to, like with this job, is to actually physically see one moving forward, and then also being able to see the results come out of it, justify those for future projects, and then also be able to adjust even if you don't need that scale where you don't have a 72-inch main, but maybe trying to design that down to a much smaller system if mm -hmm. needed. Not everyone needs that capability for a whole campus, So, but how they could utilize it. And I think it'll help as this continues to become more prominent and more companies, vendors, or whoever start to get involved. I think that will also help on the price side of it as well, which will also, I think, help drive up the demand um, as it becomes more common, obviously, when something new comes out, it's obviously pretty expensive to pursue that. And then also in this situation, you need a unique factor of a large sewage main just sitting right outside your building. But to be able to tone that down to a smaller scale, so a lot of more regular type buildings, less commercial, large commercial can also start utilizing these types of systems that we see. Thanks for those insights. So I guess a question for both of you, I'll start with you, Josh. What is the one thing that would surprise our listeners about this project? 
I don't know that there's even one thing. There's so many things that are amazing about this project. Um, it was a showcase piece uh, for the 2023 MTAA student chapter. So they basically used this project out of every project that was completed in the United States um, and gave that to them for a real world experience on putting together the project and bidding it essentially. So um, the University of Pittsburgh won that. They actually got to come out and tour the campus mm. um, and uh, you know see this project in the real world, which was huge um, for us to be a part of, to showcase that to the U.S. that, hey, U.S. Engineering did this one-of-a-kind facility uh, in Denver, and now the whole nation gets to see it. Um, and the other part of that that I think is affectionate to those that are inside U.S. Engineering is all of our projects get a code name. Um, and this code name for this one, you can imagine, revolved around a lot of toilet humor, uh, mm -hmm. but we affectionately landed on the poop loop. Um, so anyone that you talk to inside U.S. and some folks in the industry affectionately refer to the National Western Campus Cup as the poop loop. No Andy, I'll turn to you next. What's the one thing you think would surprise our listeners uh, about this particular project? One of the interesting stats that continuously was thrown around during this was that it was estimated that 2,600 metric tons of carbon emissions are essentially relieved by utilizing this system, which is the equivalent of driving a regular gasoline-powered car around the equator 250 times. Wow, that's interesting. That's powerful. All right, Andy, we have a phrase here that we use at Rocky Mountain MCA Quote, building our communities, building our skylines, building our future. Skilled trades play a key role in building the skyline, which is incredibly rewarding as you drive past the previous projects you've worked on. You get a chance to say, you know what, I helped build that, and you share that with your family members. Talk to us a little bit more about projects you've overseen during your time at U.S. and share with us what's your favorite. So seeing uh, quite a few Projects ranging from hospitals, semiconductor plants, clean rooms, data centers, but probably one of my, I guess, favorite that relates, I guess, to the green energy efficiency side is the, did the Fort Collins Utility Service Center. And we actually did a geothermal system where we dropped large heat exchanger plates in a pond that was next to the building. Um, this was to help reduce energy usage in one of their oldest and least efficient buildings they had, and mm. it made a substantial difference. How long ago did you complete that? That one was about, I think it was like seven to eight years ago, mm. I want to say, off the top of my head. But That's pretty interesting, actually. I, I, who would have come up with that idea to drop those big plates in a pond outside to save. It's it's fascinating the work we get to work on, I guess. Definitely. So, uh, Josh, I know some of the future projects may still be in a planning process, but can you tell us what intriguing projects are coming down the pipeline for your service team that you guys are excited to embark upon? So I think the big one uh, is kind of a joint venture that we have coming up with our construction teams as well. With the current landscape in Colorado and the, the move towards sustainability and electrification uh, being thrown around more and more, uh, we are involved in a project to do a 100% electric building, uh, mm -hmm. which is going to be one of the first uh, in Colorado that's 100% electric. So it's going to be a massive undertaking for both sides because of some of the um, energy recovery that's going to be built into this building itself, uh, including some massive underground storage tanks using geothermal as part of uh, the electrification process. Um, but I think that is something that, 
U.S. engineering can certainly lead the way in from a construction and service standpoint. And stuff like that keeps us on the cutting edge uh, of the industry as we've been for the last 130 years. All right. So now the tough question for you both. I'll start with you first, Andy. Uh, you probably didn't, uh, as an elementary school student, dream of being the poop loop project manager um, <laughs> and working for U.S. engineering. What was your dream job then? No, that's definitely not in the top five options for sure. But uh, I'd say definitely it was a car slash motorcycle designer, actually, which I think also helped lead into the mechanical aspect of me wanting you to go in that direction, even though this is obviously different from yeah. car and motorcycle design. But that's pretty much what I wanted to be. Some would argue, standing in that mechanical room today, looking at that equipment over at the CSU Spur campus, uh, that you didn't land too far from what you dreamed to do. True. How about you, Josh? What was uh, Josh Seiler's dream job? Well, I, I often get asked this, Dave, so I, I have a house full of teenagers, so I, I get this question a lot. And uh, my answer is I, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But I really enjoyed um, fixing things and getting, you know, taking things apart and, and putting them back together and, and hoping they worked at the end uh, when I was done. So that's uh, what kind of led me into service where I'm at now. Um, and, you know, the most fantastic part about that is – uh, we get to tear different pieces of equipment apart every day in a different location. So uh, it, it's amazing that we get paid to do that. I get to go out to a different facility every day, um, work on a different piece of equipment, um, and then be the hero uh, when everything's working at the end of the day. So uh, You obviously had the same interests I did when I was younger. I like to tear things apart. And when I put them back together, I had too many parts left over. Um, so obviously you excelled and I didn't. So I'm in the right profession. Okay. So we're fortunate enough to have Caden Keating here with us in studio. Caden's an intern working at U.S. Engineering, part of, for our listeners, the educational component of the CM and uh, construction programs is you do an internship with a contractor, and we support and help recruit interns uh, to this industry. They're the future of our industry. Um, you're a senior going to CU. You've been working for U.S. Engineering here for a couple couple months or a month, a little eight bit. Weeks. Eight weeks. To be exact. So great. So, so what interested you in coming to work in this field or now that you're in the field and seeing the mechanical side of things, like what stands out to you? What's most exciting? Uh, yeah. So I kind of came in, um, knowing that I'd be able to learn something new every day. And so with the complexity of all the projects, uh, it's actually pretty easy to do this because, uh, you kind of, from the outside, you think you know everything that's going on, but you really don't. And I've learned that pretty quickly here. Uh, also, there's a bunch of teamwork opportunities that I get. Uh, there's actually 11 other interns in the Rocky Mountain region and six others in the Midwest region that we have at U.S. Engineering. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of uh, collaborative opportunities that I get to participate in. So no pressure, Caden. No pressure at all. But don't you think you want to come work for the mechanical plumbing industry? We can talk after this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we enjoyed having you uh, in studio with us. Uh, you know, as an intern, you didn't probably think that you were going to get the opportunity to sit in on a podcast because mm -mm. that's typically what you don't learn it, uh, in the uh, construction and engineering programs. But we're glad to have you. We hope you uh, sway our way and the uh, future's bright with 
all the interns that we have at U.S. Engineering and our other member companies. And so thank you for being here today. Yep, thank you for having me. All right, Andy, Josh, and Caden, thank you all for being here. That concludes our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our skylines, building our communities, and building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.